Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Let's do it live on a first Friday edition of the program. Merely Bo and the Great Z. How you living, pal? I'm doing great, man. Doing great here on a Wednesday, getting closer and closer to training camp, which is exciting. You know, it's kind of like these weeks. We took that time away. I certainly did. Yeah. And then you come back, and it's like, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to get into it. So now we're starting to do some position previews, which we'll start That's today. That's exciting, yeah. And talk about this Browns team, and it'll you know go in line with what's going on on the website as well. And we're going to have a whole two-minute drill series of every single position. That, by the way, what's also going out that I really want to take a second and urge people to watch and to check out because I'm very proud of them, and I think it's something we've never done before. We've done Browns breakdowns before, but we've never done it with the players' coaches. Oh, yeah, that's fun. And so we've got already out there Alex Wright. Uh, MJ Emerson and David Bell with so with Kiffin for Alex Wright with Jeff Howard the incomparable Jeff Howard for MJ Emerson and then David Bell with Chad O'Shea watching their tape from college and in cases where it's applicable and with the guys that aren't on the on the lines watching their tape already from camp and breaking down what they can be for the Browns so those are out so we're starting to ramp up kind of some of our preview content so that does get me a little bit excited. I'm also very excited about the fact that the Open is tomorrow at St. Andrews, and when we wake up, we'll be able to throw it on. You'll be able to have that as kind of a little side accoutrement for your other, your other program, which will be just a real treat, and, and I'm happy to be with you. Same. Quick, quick personal update, though. Maverick will be tomorrow. Arden is uh, she's a, she's working this summer, and she she's has an angel, a, but I'm very disappointed in this news. She has a cupcake something that she is presiding over from 6 30 7 30 the movie was at 7 20 obviously that doesn't work so bumps till tomorrow but okay but nevertheless i'll be leaving when the tickets are purchased quite frankly. oh they're purchased they've been purchased in Seats fact three different times oh, okay all and right. transferred from this wednesday then the next That's wednesday because it turned out all different grandparents wanted to go to the movie with us but oh, then wow. next wednesday doesn't work either because it turns out we got a graduation party so then we were back to third and i said that's it and now not everybody can go that originally wanted to go but too bad we got to see this movie you have to see it like, i think it's gonna be out it. of the theaters next friday or i can't i can't book beyond next friday i can't imagine it's out of the theaters because it was a full theater when i saw it last week for the second time yeah i don't know the one good news is we got much better seats for thursday's show than if we had gone tonight if we'd gone tonight which surprised me i thought thursday's more of a night out but it's first friday first friday people are acting accordingly first friday yeah i we weren't we weren't even gonna be center and we were gonna be like kind of up now we're middle back. center yeah, middle, middle back, back, center, dead yeah, center. That's where you so now be. I'm almost more excited. And it feels like it's in a bigger theater. There's two extra rows compared to where it was on Wednesday. So Oh, that's a win. This a win then. So it feels like we've right, moved around good. and moved ourselves. We've navigated ourselves into some better uh, waters. I cannot wait to talk to you about it. Uh, oh I my think God, I'm so excited. I think it's going to be uh, just spectacular to talk to you about it. Uh, it's fantastic. It's just a it's a stunning achievement. It, it really is. You remember, and of course you do, I'm asking this, this is rhetorically, when Modes like, was at dinner with Cruz? Modes was on the, <laughs> sh- the ship they were, when they were filming. Right. Like, was, there's some crazy data like on that if you want to do like a 70, it, honestly, you could spend a whole day if you had a day um, on, the, on the internet uh, in terms of it was like $11,000 an hour for them to use those F-18s. 
that they use um, and, and That's apply it? them per plane. That's it? That's Hold a on lot. a second. You're telling me. Well, I, my guess Hold is on. you get a deal because, as we know, you're promoting, this is, you're promoting sure. Nate. But I was Navy, say, so that, for, that's probably a cost only. I could say for eleven grand yeah. an, for an hour of flying around an F-18. Just the fuel. A lot of people would do that. Yeah. I'm guessing it's just the fuel for that price. Like, they gave him a deal. Like, okay. this is the cost of it. Yeah, the necessary means, necessary means. I mean, I, who wouldn't want to do that? For an hour, yeah, it'd be a win. Feel like that would be a win. Yeah, like they made him do like three month boot camp to yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Miles Teller, I'm excited to see him in this. So we started the offer. Have you watched any of it? No, I do not. I, I got too much stuff. I got to. I got to chill. You wrote out a down Barry. Bit. I'm excited about that. I got Barry. Get into Barry. Offer. All right. So the offer, whenever it's more a little bit long. Each episode's an hour. It's one season. It is a. It's the story, a dramatic series that is truly the story of the making of the Godfather. Of the Godfather, okay. How yeah. Al Ruddy got involved, how he convinced Francis Ford Coppola to get involved, how the mob tried to actually shut down the Colombo family from New York, tried to shut down the making of the Godfather with intimidation and some crazy stuff. Right. How Frank Sinatra and Francis Ford, I never knew this, Frank Sinatra and Francis Ford Coppola got into a fight at a restaurant in L.A. about it. Sinatra was pissed about the Johnny Fontaine Johnny character Fontaine stuff and yeah. said it was, you know, how dare you put this bad shine on me and on Italians. And yeah, they had a screaming match. It was a little over dramatized, obviously, in the TV show. But that was and he, the guy who created the series said that was the genesis. That one story that Sinatra and Francis Ford Coppola, two titans of their yes. respective industries, almost came to blows in a Hollywood restaurant over this movie. He was like that made me want to tell the whole story. And it turns out there was a lot of stuff. The So there's the Civil Liberties, ACLU, American Civil There was the Italian American, started by one of the mob families in New York yeah. that raised a bunch of money to obviously combat. It was f to help their cause, sure. first and foremost. But some of that was used to try to stop the making of The Godfather, which, as we know, is now one of the greatest films and classics of all time. But I wonder, and this would be something I don't know. You and I are of an age to where, like, mafia movies are, were part of our life. Um, and so it comes full circle for us because when we're, like, we're not old enough for The Godfather, but I saw it very, very young. Sure. Same thing with Godfather 2. I do remember when Godfather 3 came out, that being a very, very big deal when that yep. came out. But we also have Goodfellas. We have Casino. Like, this is in our formidable years. And then in, in college, high school, college, now you have The Sopranos. So you, yes. you have... Like it is in our life for almost our entire lives for there's a 20 year period where it's omnipresent because of the Godfather. Exactly. Which is where it was going to lead to this question for you. Is it also the end of the mafia? Is it is that because after after that, it's like it's and I'm not pretending like I'm a historian, but like it's John Gotti and then it's it. It's still going, but it still, still goes see, on. Yeah, you see, like it's, the New York Post, you see sure. somebody. You know, it's not the, but it's not like heyday, the heyday, sure of it all. So one of the things they talked about in in the show was that the last couple of gangster picks had totally flopped, and so they didn't want to make another gangster movie. But The Godfather, the book by Mario Puzo, was number one bestseller for like sixty seven straight weeks, and they said we have, and they bought the rights to it for fifteen grand. And then supposedly Warner tried to buy it from them for a million bucks before they'd ever started making the movie. Something okay. they paid 15 grand for for a million bucks. This is a long time ago. A million bucks then is a massive amount of money. And 
they said, well, if he wants it for a million bucks, there's got to be something where we don't know. We've got to, we've got to do it. So they yeah. end up and they, they do it obviously, but that was a real pivot point for the genre. And then the success of it obviously led to, that's why there could be a Goodfellas and that's why there could be the Sopranos and that's why there could be Casino. But you're right, it is totally a, omnipresent in our lives, but it was almost going to be taken out. And, and the mob at that time was obviously very much against it to the point where Al, it's over-dramatized in the show, but Al Ruddy's car windows were bashed in, various other forms of intimidation to try to get this to be stopped, to drop it. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a fascinating premise. I will check it out. It it allows for, I was just writing these down of like things that were, it, from an entertainment standpoint that were all over our lives after the godfather into goodfellas into casino the untouchables was it yep. was a big big film at that time there's once upon a time in america there are a ton of these that hit at that point and from a television series you had both the sopranos which is the you know the iconoclast and then there's and then boardwalk empire is is that too and that totally. was a great series as well so all of that stuff happens and I wonder, so you wonder if, like, is that still, like, that's not a genre anyone's peddling now. Like, your kids would probably have no point of reference on that genre. And some of it is the proximity. Some of it is all of this happened for a long time. The other thing is, is, like, now we're at the point where the 1920s, and it's 100 years ago. No doubt. I mean, like, when you're doing The Godfather, there were people that you could probably get who consulted on it who were in the mob. Yeah. Who who were these people? Like Henry Hill was alive. I think he still is when they did Goodfellas. Like he lived that life. Is there that life to live anymore? They've tried to do a couple of gaudy things. There's got to be some level of it. It's just it's different. It's, it's a different. Yeah. It's, it's different. So I looked this up because I was curious about this and the show obviously got me thinking about it. Has there ever been and maybe there is, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. Has there ever been a bigger heater? Then Francis Ford Coppola in the 70s. Three movies he makes. Three. Actually, Apocalypse he, he, Now. Hold on. Godfather. Yeah. Godfather 2. Apocalypse Now. Combined. 29 Academy Award nominations. 11 wins in one decade. Uh, you'd have to think. I mean, I'm trying to think of like Scorsese has a period that was like that. Um, Eater like that with. with and probably not. Also, probably from the standpoint of. At that time, movies were as big as movies could be. So that's, you know, that's maybe part of it, too. Uh, you know, like the, the equivalent of that now might be the guys who did the Avengers stuff. You know, like Endgame. Like, that's one of the most amazing achievements in film, that they were able to, over the course of a decade plus, land the plane on the MCU and have all of those film 20-some films or whatever it is, all line up and land. That's yes. really, really tough. I mean, he you're talking about those three movies. I mean, most people think... Godfather 2 is the best movie ever, and if, if it's not Godfather 2, it's Godfather. So those are most people think those are the two best movies ever or on a short, short list. Um, Apocalypse Now is a lot going on for a guy like me. I saw I it when I was young. Movie. I saw it when I was young. I've, I've seen, seen it, it a probably billion 30 times. times. I haven't probably seen it in 30 years, I would say. Yeah. I saw it was probably like 12, 13. I haven't seen it since. I told I you about that. Big Lou, right? Yeah. Yes. I believe you did. So Big Lou was my buddy's dad who was a vet and whenever we would go over there we would hang out with big lou and watch it was on i was probably there 50 times a year or 50 times you know summer when i'd be home maybe 20 times 30 yeah. times summer every time we were there that night ended with apocalypse now so i mean i've seen that movie okay a billion times okay i know it as well as yeah, i know yeah. any movie <laughs> 
That's a that's and it's intense. Yeah, that's a that's hell of good. a way to end a night. I owned like every version of it that was ever made. Then they did the Redux, which had a lot more of the French plantation stuff in there. I had all that. I had it all. I I, I might have to give it a rewatch. I've, it's oh, been a long goodness. time. It's probably been probably been thirty years um, since I've seen it. But no, I I am interested. I am on the series. I'm I have to finish one before I can start another. Okay, I don't uh, yeah, like same, having two same. going at the same time. So same. I'll finish one and then I'll then I'll pop into another one. I would say is a as an addendum to your rule and see if you agree with that. Like, I, think I already you know can, where you're going. You can have a serious Correct. and a, and a short comedy yes. going on simultaneously. You can absolutely watch Game of Thrones and Curb. and Curb. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So Barry might work in that. Barry is great. Yeah, I just want to hear. I want you to play. I think you'll go through it quick. Okay. But I can't wait to hear your take. And it, it, it takes a while for him to take off. But when he takes off, you'll know the moment and you'll say, it's not really a moment. You'll just all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, man. Okay. Noho Hank is so good and such an incredible character. He's like, he's one of my favorite TV characters, period. That's a bold statement because you have a, you've seen a lot of great, of the great, great TV. Right. But if yeah. you're saying from a comedy standpoint, if, if you're making, a, I'm going to call it a basketball team. Is he like on my basketball team of 12? Yeah. 13 yeah for sure he might be at the end he might be jack haley you know waving a towel around and watching dennis rodman but he's there all right i look forward to this i very much look forward to this are you uh, looking up no ho hank no i don't uh, want it i don't want it because i'm hoping that by the because i probably won't watch it for such a look i probably got too. at least another week before i'm gonna be able to get into it and then i'll and then i'll be into it because I, I have a schedule of things that i've got to get done here on that front um i did see um i some reporting for I was looking for this. I just saw this from a football standpoint that I thought we should pass along. Oh, baby. Uh, that we are still interested in Dominican Sue. There's some reporting that we're still interested in Dominican Sue. Now, that, that will be something as it gets closer to camp, of course. There are, there's, there, I've seen people say that, and I've also seen a lot of people who cover the Browns shut that down. Say that actually, no, the Browns are, the Browns remained no, uh, not interested. Oh, yeah. Brad just tweeted that Brad as well. Brad said so. that, yeah. Amongst others, who knows? Who knows? If the opportunity presents, and you say, "Hey, do you, would you?" Yeah, sure. Like I can't imagine being like, "Nah, we're not. We're good." Dom Kinsu calls you and goes, "Hey, any chance I could give it a run?" Can't imagine you'd be like, "Nah, we're good. We'll see you later. We don't want to kick the tires on you." Tyler Dragon, which is an incredible name, it's a great name. The Tyler Dragon is the one who is saying that the Browns are potentially interested, but yeah. then other people, Brad in particular, saying, "No, nay." Yeah. Got a quick, a quick question from Zach on the social. Like uh, he wants a go-to drink at the following event, settings, wedding, sporting event, beach, boat, pool, concert, cookout, movie night at the house. So this is summer drinking. Um, you and I are aligned on one of these. There, there's several of great ones. Uh, I love, A, I love rodeo beers, which is Yeti, ice, and lime. Yep. Uh, you go yellow yep. jackets in that. You can go a, uh, you can, you know, Modelo, any of that. All of that's a win. Uh, I love a tequila with Ranch lime. Water. And 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 on rocks, ranch water is spectacular. Sure. Tequila, uh, tequila a little with a little bit of little bit of uh, uh, seltzer water, yeah. a, a topo chico if you like, which Lots is my of favorite. Lots of jalapenos. Got to have a topo chico. A lot of a uh, lot of lime in that. That's Tons. a big time win. Yeah. Another one was the Uncle Stan, which is the uh, the tequila with the lemonade vitamin water. Oh, uh, that's uh -huh, a sure. that's a real treat as well. All of those would be winners. Um, I love a John Daly in the summer. Yeah, I I'm not crazy about vodka, but I do. I, that's, that's a so you can one. have a wand daily. Yeah, I could do that way. Tequila. Yeah, 
Yeah, there you go. Anything That's with tequila is good. And then I haven't done it this year. Maybe it's because I'm old now. Maybe at 44, I've finally moved on. But a part of me wants to dial one up one time. It is vodka, which you do not love. But a little vodka, a little diet sun-kissed, and a few jalapenos in there. Ooh, baby. I was actually – I'll tell you something you could substitute for the vodka, and you wouldn't even need the orange uh, soda. The um, There's a uh, a company out of Columbus, uh, High Bank Distillery, that makes a statehouse gin that – that is aged in a i want to say it's a cabernet barrel okay that the gin and i'm not a gin i'm like not a gin person way, at all way down oh, i don't yeah. like juniper i don't like any of that no this honest to goodness it tastes like an orange kiss oh like baby. A sun-kissed okay like, i don't know how they pulled it off but it did um and then and that's that's one that would be good on on those type of things we had uh, a bunch of the kids over to play basketball yesterday i don't know if i told you this we had a bunch of kids over to play like okay. six 10-year-olds, um, and then counting my own, and then the two eight-year-olds, and, and then Bootsy was despondent because I said, you can't play. There's no way you can play. And then that's just tears. And he's like, why, why can't I? I don't understand why I can't I play. I said, buddy, these are big kids. Like, they're rambunctious. They're loud. They're, this is, they're just bigger. Like, it's four years different. Like, imagine you playing against a two-year-old. Like, you get hurt. To, he's just dying, crying, and he just goes, he goes, you don't even believe in me. <laughs> Which is, like, all there is is belief in him. His whole life is based on everyone believing in him. His ability to pull these lines out is really, it's really remarkable. something to yeah, behold. That's what he said as he stomped off. You don't even believe in me. Um, so we allowed for them to play. So my wife got a little ambitious. There were a lot of kids. Sure. At 10 is a lot, and, it was, um, and you had a lot going on. You're playing the full court. And so the two eight-year-olds were like, this was like their first time being exposed. Interesting. Yeah. It was their first time being exposed to like, people two years older than them yeah and it, I, it was a little bit like dropping a kit like saying hey man you want to go to the jungle yeah the jungle's awesome all the cool animals everything and then you throw them in the jungle yeah, there's leopards, and they're like oh my panthers. god what am i can yeah. i get out alive and then so by the time it's over i asked beamsy i said well what did you think did you like it he goes i don't think i want to do that again dad i don't want to play with those guys again it's and too I said, much i don't blame you it's a yeah. lot going on and my wife if seventh God graders would like smoke fifth graders. Fifth yes, graders would smoke course. third it's, graders. Well, and just the physicality and the stuff that comes out yes. of their mouths. It's yeah. just a lot going on. It's aggressive. Very aggressive. My wife, who had, God bless her, had two sisters and has no real point of – I've always coached all this stuff, so I know how boys are. She had no point of reference on, like, the type of danger that they will forever chase always. So, we, you know that pool slide that I had? I'm like, that's coming out. She got so mad at me. She's like, why were you taking that out? The kids are going to love to go down that. I said, well – they're going to wrestle on top of it. Some kid's going to fall off and crack his head on, on the pool the concrete. deck. Yep. And then it's on me. I'm a, we're not ha- you got to eliminate the get that out of there. Right. Get it out. They we have like some sort of a PBR bull thing that the kids ride. Get it out. That thing's got to go. She turned her head for a minute and it was just chaos. I'm like it's like the this scene, is it. You can't it's the caddy's it. day at the pool. And it's caddy's day at the pool. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yep. And maybe even the baby Ruth. Who knows by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> it's not out of the question. No. It's, it's in play. It's absolutely in play. Um, all right. We will, uh, as Z mentioned, this will be exciting. We'll do the running back uh, preview. We'll talk a little bit of the Open Championship as well. We'll do the running back position preview today. This is probably, I mean, there's a lot of talent in this room, obviously, but how it shakes is going to be really fascinating to me, what this room looks like by the time all is said and done. Uh, there's a few things happening around the league. We'll go around the league as well. Um, coming up in the second hour of the program, we'll talk a little bit about golf, and then we have a TBD segment. I like that. TBD. The boys debate. Play. The boys debate. That's coming up. We're off and running on a first Friday. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams. They can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath. It'll feel like a spa. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts in factory trained installers. You give them a call right now. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects, all made in the United States. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. You can do it in about a day with the Bath Authority. Superior products, expert installers at 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. Get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. Tell them that Bo sent you, and they will take care of you as we go around the league. Uh, the Bears, I mean, this is a – you tell me what's the bigger thing. The fact that they acquire a guy who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago in Nikhil Harry from the Patriots for a seventh-round pick or the fact that Bill Pelichick cannot draft skill position players. He can't do it. If you look at the receivers that they've drafted in the first or second rounds, it really is wild. Now, he did okay with tight ends, obviously. Mm -hmm. Gronk and then Aaron Hernandez before. Murder? Yes. He's actually drafted some good running backs. He's done a good job with there. Now, Larry Maroney didn't pan out exactly the way they would have wanted, but Ridley gave them some nice seasons. They had a – But never a dude. Like Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb. Sure. Sugar Shane Vereen was solid for a while. (laughs) Right. Damian Harris was very nice for them last year. But never right, never a, a defining guy. Receiver-wise, you know, here's a guy 6'4", 225, looked a lot like DK Metcalf, and yet in his career, 57 catches, 598 yards, and a total of four touchdowns, that's it. It's somebody who maybe can do something for, for, for Justin Fields, but you wouldn't count on it. There aren't a lot of examples of receivers that were first-round picks that kind of busted out completely then going somewhere else and becoming good. No. That's there's, true. There's he just a, misses. Just a, it's just there's not a lot of precedent for that. And typically with a guy his size, you would say, all right, well, why isn't it working? Then he can't separate and he's not maybe great in contested catch situations. Now we're talking about somebody who's averaged five point eight yards a target, folks. That is not good. That is in fact that's dreadful. It's an awful number. Um now he did have career high eight point four last year. It gives them something else. You know, Mooney's not a big guy. They lost Allen Robinson, gives him a bigger bodied receiver. I'm not optimistic. Now, what's crazy to me is that people were saying how incredible it was that they were able to get rid of a first-round pick, that a guy was a first-round pick, and by the way, 32nd pick, so the last pick of the first round in 2019, and in four years, all he could fetch was a seventh-rounder. I still think it's more shocking, and again, I would say wrong by the rest of the NFL, that the first pick in the draft, who plays the most important position in football, Mm -hmm. who did take a team to the playoffs, who did win a playoff game with that team, fetched a conditional fifth-round pick. Yeah. That, to me, is way more insane than this guy getting a seventh-round pick. Well, no, I think because of what we talked about yesterday. Fine. It's just a different way that they're viewing quarterbacks. Like they're just not they don't want they don't want good. It still feels like a fourth round pick, a third round pick. But you don't want it. You don't want it. 
You don't want it. It's honestly, it's not even a fifth because but here's you're the paying thing. $10 million of it. Why did they think a year ago, and I'll take the Panthers as the organization, why did they think a year ago that Sam Darnold was better than Baker Mayfield? Well, because, well, I think the reason you do that is is by the t- at the time when you acquire Darnold, you're saying, well, that's just because he's with the Jets. And once we get our hands on him, that's why that happens. And where Bake, you know, you had all of last year. Sure. So you had two seasons of not great. Sure. It's, so that's that's I, I, I your point I is well made. Like, like, oh my god, a former first rounder, only seventh rounder now. We're talking about the number one pick of the draft guy who plays quarterback yes. and is taking the right. team to the playoffs and won. Yeah, they it's just the, it's the phil, it's the philosophy around the position. Yeah, and how it is, and it speaks to also how brutal the Bears situation is in all of this. That this is like, oh my god, they got a starting receiver guy who did all the things you just said, or rather didn't do any of the things that he was expected to do, and now he's a guy that they hope can somehow salvage the position for the Bears. So that that tells you a little bit of it. The funniest thing I've saw I've seen on this, and I will not pretend that I thought that the video was funny initially, uh, until you uh, totally, and I still don't even understand it. Have you seen that video of the dad like one hand throwing his toddler into the pool? Have you seen this? No. Connor with a K. Have you seen this? I've seen it. Yeah. What? It's on, it's going around the Twitter. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a, now the idea with this is is the kid has been through some sort of swim training. Like eight weeks of swim training. Eight weeks of swim yeah. training. I would say, from my experience at being the father of three young of these type of people, that I, my guess is this is about eighteen months. Is my guess just about? Yeah. I don't know if it's even. Do we know the age? No, we do not. It looks like eighteen months to me, or two years, or just oh, a little. Is younger. this recent or is it an old video? I saw it yesterday. I, it's been in the last twenty four hours. Yeah. Like throws him in from his legs, and then the kid flops in the pool, and then turns to his to his back, and then he's able to breathe. What? Like I all right, like so, is it bad? Is it go like there's stuff from 2014 that I see in Arizona where somebody got arrested. Here it is. Yep, that's it. You, get, you got a handle on it now. Okay. Proud father. I mean, there's so it's something like four weeks since we started safety classes. My son graduated today, officially water safe. Last class, he had to go in with four layers of clothing, including two diapers, more than doubling his weight in water. And he just, like, throws him in like you would throw in a dog. I just feel like there's another way to get him into the water. (laughs) As opposed to just just softly dropping him in there. Or just let him jump in off of – let him jump in. Well, I don't know that he can even walk. Right. I mean, I think he's – He's a young kid. He's a really young. I mean, he's less than two. All right, let's at least turn it into like a wrestling move. Give him like a razor's edge or something fun. Like that looks insane. Well, I don't know that anything. He's tossing in around like a, a chicken. Two year old. He's just yeah. He's like, tossing like he's got a chicken by its legs and he's just tossing it, it in. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, anyway, the 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 tweet that I the, the kid is fine. If you get past the emotional scarring, um, but the thing the funny thing I was was this is the equivalent of what the Bears did to Justin Fields in Cleveland was that there you go that's that a good was, way to bring it full circle that was a good way to bring it all the way around yeah uh chiefs tackle orlando brown jr not close to an extension with the chiefs plans on holding out uh for some if not all of the preseason we do a thing on another thing that i do where we go thing or not a thing not a thing not a thing no not a thing um also also a lot not a thing Le'Veon bell makes it official he won't be playing in the nfl this season he shifts to focus on boxing well nobody wants you either hold on a second you've tried it a lot this is a thing nah not about football but am I? Isn't he fighting Adrian Peterson? I think that is it. Yeah, that's a thing. That's 
Is it? I think it's for the Logan Paul fight. I think it's like an undercard. Yeah, I July believe. 30th. I'll tell you Le'Veon one thing. Bell against Adrian. And I think Adrian Peterson is going to absolutely oh, annihilate him. I would think. But, I, you know, he's quite a bit younger than Peterson, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Maybe like 10 years? I would say so. Five Close to two. seven years at least. All right, here we go. Yeah, Bell, Adrian Peterson is Bell he's be 30. Five. Yeah. Peterson, Peterson like, 37. Yeah. Now, this I would not have had. Height, both 6'1", weight, Bell 225, Peterson 217. Yeah. I mean, that's – I covered Le'Veon Bell in high school. He's from Columbus. Bell, two-time first-team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler. Peterson, four-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. There are a few people who's – I mean, his bright comet, Le'Veon Bell's comet two years where he was like – the best back in football and was the best fantasy player and the best everything to, yeah, I'm not going to play. And then gone all the off field stuff. It says bright account. It's debacle. It's an up and out kind of like priest Holmes. Priest Holmes for a couple of years was, but felt like priest wasn't of his own doing. No, it was just, this is just all of this was Le'Veon Bell's own doing. So here's a little note though. So, Bell, boxing has long been a passion for Le'Veon Bell. He used the sport as cardio during his time with the Steelers. It grew during his year away football in 2018. Um, so he's been doing a lot of boxing training. Is, is there? Do we know about Adrian Peterson doing boxing training? I mean, I just don't like betting against Adrian Peterson, but Le'Veon Bell, maybe Le'Veon Bell's going to just come in here and knock him out. That would be That would be a noteworthy outcome to me. Let me give you a scenario. What about Prime Bell versus Prime Peterson? Who would win? Like on the field or in, just like in, in a prime, fight? In their prime. In a like fight? To, or just on the field? Like who's like, the better? No, no, no. We'll, we'll, for a Are we doing match. like for a boxing Hypo- match? Hypothetically, correct. It's hard for me to imagine anyone physically more imposing than Adrian Peterson, right. but I also don't know if he can box. Fair point. You know, like if you're a fan of The Wire, like is he at Cuddy's getting some work in? Or is he not? I don't know. Le'Veon Bell might have been getting some work in. True. Does he know how to throw the hands? You got to know how to do it. You got to know how to do it. I don't know if – I'm not sure if he does on that front. I will not be watching that. I will not. What do you got? So I started with the the tale of Maverick. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're told – I just get texts from Arden as we're on the air. Cupcake Wars is moved to tomorrow. Because of the rain. So now we got to go try and go back. Today? To today. Because tomorrow's because the now rain. out. What's wrong with the rain? I don't it's know. It's going to rain. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's going to rain. I don't know. Why is it so hard to see a film? You're trying to get too many people involved. That's the problem. You're trying to, you're trying to feed too many mouths here. Like, yeah. This is what you need to do. You just need to go see it today. Or tomorrow, That's and just say, unfortunately, well, I'll take I've you guys go. another time. Take the kids another time. No, but now let's we, be honest. You're probably more jacked to see it than they are anyway. We can do it today now, but now we've got to. It's just. I don't uh, sense that there's any rain of significance. Listen, I, she doesn't control the cupcake wars. She's just a part of the cupcake part, wars. I don't even know what that is. Me neither. All right, what you do know about is a running back position group preview, and we will do that coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
training. My God, you said earlier you said you're you were excited for. Tra- I'm yeah. Not, I'm not yet. I'm not ready for it. Well, yet. we're waiting on something because it is kind of a. Um, well, yeah, that. But even that aside, it does feel like once that happens, summer's over. Okay. Once that happens, we're it's fall, and I know it's crazy because it's like late July, but it does feel like summer's over. Go ahead. Real quick, Jack of Hearts wrote us said maybe Spielberg from seventy five to eighty five. He had Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E. T. Poltergeist, Indiana Jones two, The Color Purple, and Goonies thirty eight Oscar noms. So it's thirty. That's significantly more films. Well, like, just instead, don't don't go for such a long period of time. What did he start with? Jaws. So go Jaws. Uh, e. T. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Go Goonies that. is pretty good too. Yeah, but it's not Goonies. like no, it's not a. It's not like it's not a film of consequence, although it's no, one that I it's love. It's fun. I watched it, seen it a lot, but it's no, it's not. Yeah, the Indian Indiana Jones, E.T., Jaws, those three would be in the realm of of that. It's a good job out of him. Um, all right. Training camp position preview. Yep. Running back. We're loaded. Lots of names. Among those, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, John Kelly, and Jerome Ford. Johnny Stanton is in this room as well. Uh, the first question from Gibby, fact or fiction? The running back room is the biggest position of strength in the Browns offense. The running back room, it, it, that is a fact. It is the biggest position of strength on the Browns offense. I will also go so far as to say that it is the best single position group on any team in the league, period. End. Fiend. End of story. It is the best position group in the National Football League, Period. Such a bold statement. Like, I feel like I need to pull up and. Is it? I feel like it's. Well, I mean, I think of like the Bengals receiver room's pretty good. Okay, but you're supposed to have. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Like, I wasn't prepared for you to go so bold. All right, hold on. Right out of the gates. Like, I feel like I want to look at the teams and see if anything comes to mind to me that's stronger. Here's the difference. Okay, you're supposed to have three receivers in the NFL now, right? You have three starters, you have one starting running back. If your starting running back goes down, or let's say you lost Jamar Chase. So if the Browns lose Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt's your starter. If they lost Chase and Higgins, then they're starting Boyd and who? True. The only thing that I think that you – the one thing you do have to say about about Kareem is, I mean, he was hurt a lot last year. So, like, as long as we've had Chubb and Hunt, they haven't played that much together, both healthy. No, in the one year they did, they became only the fourth running back team in the history of the league to have more than 1,200 total yards and 12 touchdowns in the same season, including the postseason. We just don't – that's the only problem is they just don't – the health hasn't been there as much as we would have liked it. Okay. So that's it. I'm I'm trying to think of – Well, let me go once and let me throw one more thing for you. All right. So then you lose Nick Chubb. Then you lose Kareem Hunt. So that would be the equivalent of the top four receivers in Cincinnati going down. Right? If you're using them as an example. Then we come to D. Ernest Johnson. D. Ernest Johnson last year. 100 carries, 534 yards, three touchdowns in two starts. One against Denver, one against New England. 245 yards rushing, six yards a carry, nine catches, 80 yards. 325 total yards, one touchdown. He was the FedEx ground player of the week in Thursday night football against the Denver Broncos. He had PFF's highest running grade of the season last year, 90.6, and he's our third running back. It's also strange because of the position that it is. It's a position that around the league is not valued, and we have an Fine. abundance of wealth at it. Abundanza. In a, in a in a front office, 
that is analytically driven position value versus versus what we're paying people versus what it's worth all of that it's a it's a wild predicament it's a wonderful predicament but it's there's too many and now you add jerome ford into who the we mix. like a lot who we the like a lot Bama as well guy who's good at cincinnati like and Demetric Felton's a can this play is, a lot of things. Like it's an abundance of riches at a position that you wouldn't think you'd have an abundance of riches of, or you would even need. Here's what I would say: You can make a legitimate argument that we have the best starting running back in the NFL. Yes, fact. You, I don't think there is an argument as to whether or not we have the best one-two running back group in the NFL. No, certainly not. And I don't them. think there's an argument that we have the best one-two-three running back group in the NFL. I don't have a problem with any of that. So there it is. Yeah, it's just you, the value of the position versus Fine. receiver is kind of the only thing. I think that's the only tricky part of it. I, I went through them, and I don't know that there is. I mean, there's several receiving rooms that are really good, like Miami's receiving room is really good. Denver's is pretty good. Uh, the Bengals is really good. Minnesota's is pretty good. Like, there's a few of those receiver rooms out there. I, I just went offense right away. I was trying to think defensively, is there anything that I'm missing defensively? From Is there a D-line room that's – that would be better or a corner room. I mean, our secondary is one of the best. Probably not. It probably isn't. I mean, it probably is. I mean, you said it felt bold and then I, it caught me off guard, but as I just kind of go through the league, it's, it's probably a true statement. I think it is. Yeah. I mean, here's, I think it is. here's some of the facts for you. Nick Chubb last year, 14 games, 1,259 yards, five and a half yards a carry eight touchdowns, second in the league in yards, third in yards per carry second in yards after contact second in yards after contact per attempt. Second with 41 runs of 10 yards or more. Named the Pro Bowl for the third straight season. First Browns running back to do so since Leroy Kelly in 67 to 72. Jim Brown, the only other Browns running back to be named the Pro Bowl three straight years. Three straight 1,000-yard seasons. Averaging 1,273 yards and 9.3 rushing touchdowns per season. Never below five yards per carry or eight rushing touchdowns in a season. And, and doing that while never getting the workload of a Dalvin Cook of a Jonathan Taylor, of a Derrick Henry. So that's impressive me. Hunt last year, you mentioned him, first six games before he got injured against Arizona, 361 yards rushing, five touchdowns, 161 yards receiving. So 522 total yards and five touchdowns in the first six games. So basically 85 total yards and a touchdown a game as a compliment to Nick Chubb. His, his, his injury was crippling. Yeah, his his 17-game really, really pace, if you took what he did in eight games, his 17-game pace last year was 1,200 total yards and 11 touchdowns. Yeah. Hunt. Yeah. Yep. Then you go to Dearness. I mentioned what he did. Guy ran for 500 yards, 5.3 a carry. So we had 4.9 yards per carry for Hunt, 5.5 for Chubb, 5.3 for Dearness Johnson. As I mentioned in the two starts, what he did. And then now you add to the mix, you had Jerome Ford. Ford last year was starred Cincinnati, 1,319 yards rushing, uh, 19 rushing touchdowns, 6.1 yards carry. These are college numbers, but the 19 tied the school record there. Uh, fast and explosive with power, has good skills catching because he was at such – and this is, this is still one of the things that's so hard for me to get my head around. Jerome Ford was so good in high school that he was recruited by Nick Saban who landed a helicopter at his field to bring him to Alabama as a running back. But his high school running back room was so good, he played receiver. He played receiver, that's right. Like, that's crazy to me. So you've got him. Also in the mix, John Kelly, who was uh, in four games this year, two carries for 13 yards, former sixth-round pick of the, of the uh, Rams, who's been with the Browns uh, on the practice squad for the majority of the last two seasons. Demetric Felton, is he a running back? I don't know. 
I, it looked like they moved him pretty full time to receiver in the end of OTAs and into minicamp. So that's and that something. was after he was just going to be a running back before. That's what they had just said. And then I think, listen, this is what I think. I, this is not a scores in terms. Of this was told to me. This is just me looking at it and saying, okay, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jernis Johnson, mm-hmm. Jerome Ford, yep, is as good as advertised and and a, a pure running back. Like Demetric Felton's going to make this team. He's going to have to make it as a receiver. Or with, because of his versatility. Like, I don't think it's a lock he makes team, and I think it would be much harder for him to make – they're not carrying five running backs than yeah. it would be for him to try to make it as a receiver and, and special teams guy. Then you got Stanton uh, at the fullback. He's your only fullback, but he's really spent a lot of time at tight end this offseason, and, and I think that you know he can make it as the fourth tight end slash the fullback, which H-back is a good spot for him. Thing, yeah. yeah, and he's a very talented guy and, and kind of a Swiss Army knife. So he's, I think, obviously a very good player, but – this is this room is absolutely loaded, and I think you know it's a factor fiction, which is funny. Please read the factor fiction. So All I, right, factor fiction from Gibbe, Doctor Z. The only question about this room is how many running backs end up on the fifty-three man roster. So the question is a question. <laughs> like, am I? Am I? So to me, what he's saying is the, the, the thing that I'm saying factor fiction about that the only the, question. You're saying the factor fiction is the only question is how many make the roster. Yeah, I, I say fiction. I think there are a lot of questions. How do we see more of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb together this year? We have no idea what this will look like with Deshaun Watson. Correct. So I think there are a no lot idea. of questions. So it's actually, despite how many they have. I think there's going to be And four, how it's been used in the past. We have no idea. We, we have a little idea because we saw OTAs. Yeah. But. My guess is we spend a lot more time in the gun. Yep. I think we're, I mean, predominantly would be my guess. Yeah. I think you're going to, you could have instances where both of these guys stand next to Deshaun Watson and, and they're both in there, whether it's Kareem and Nick or it's Nick and Dearnest or whatever. Like you, you want your best 11 football players on the field and Watson's ability to, to run. It's a game changer for these guys. It's an absolute game changer. Understand that what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Dearness have done historically here, especially the last couple of years, has been done so last year especially, was done so with eight or nine man boxes on the reg, as Kenny Powers would say. That's done, man. Yes. When number four's back there, that's done. So now all of a sudden, not only forget how well he throws the ball and and how he'll be able to throw it to the entire part of the field. Of course. He can now also fake the handoff boot and go run rpos you could do they had uh, we've seen some things already in camp where it's a fake inside rpo and then he runs out and then kareem had come from the other yes. slot running kind of an option with him like a triple option with yeah. watson kareem and nick chubb so there's a lot of things that they're able to do with these guys and i think that is that's what to me how do they get used that's a big question i think four will make the team i think chubb hunt johnson and jerome ford the other question, and I would say, is, is there another question? The other question, does a trade come out of this room? Well, it would be the room to have one if there is right. an injury at the position. I mean, you think about, um, was it Cam Akers last year at the beginning of the year for the Rams sure. who got hurt? And then, you know, you're like, wow, we're contenders. we got to have somebody here who can do this. You know, that's that's where those type of things happen. You also have, isn't the isn't one of the big topics through this offseason has been Kareem with the extension and wanting one and, yeah. wanting one and mm-hmm. what, what all that is. And so – there, there's a, a lot of question marks to this, and it's despite all of the known talent, there's a lot of unknowns in terms of what this is going to look like by the time we get to September. Could not agree anymore. A lot of unknowns. By the way, I want to just throw this out there real quickly. We're talking about Nick Chubb, just to give some perspective for Nick Chubb. 
2019, Nick Chubb, 298 rushes. That was the most that he's had in a season. He averages for his career 227 carries per season. And as I mentioned, 1494, 1259, 1067, 996. Mm-hmm. Okay, Derek Henry, just to give people some idea of what what we're talking about here. And last year, by the way, when he was second league in rushing, he had 228 carries. Henry got hurt last year. We know that. Before that, though, the two years before he got hurt. So Derrick Henry, oh, this is a great perspective. Derrick Henry in 2019, 303 carries. Derrick Henry, 2020. By the way, he ran for 2,027 yards that year, 378 carries. Last God. year in eight games, okay, Nick Chubb, and, Nick Chubb in 14 games had 228 carries last year. How many do you think Derrick Henry had in eight games? 180. Feels like a reasonable guess. 219. God. 219 carries in eight games. By the way, Nick Chubb, 228 for 1259. Derrick Henry, 219 carries uh, in that season. I'm going back to Nikhil here. Give me Derrick Henry, my friend here on Pro Football Reference. 219 for 937. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, big picture. When he, There's a couple of things here. Like, it's very much in play that Nick Chubb could have 1,800 yards this year. To me, if like, he ever with, gets a season where he gets with those a full kind of healthy season with 270 carries with this not facing eight, nine man fronts, the type of lanes he's going to be able to run through. Oh, yeah. It's all in play. It's it, absolutely all in play. Here's another one. Jonathan Taylor last year leads the NFL in rushing 1,811 yards, five and a half yards a carry. Same as Chubb. 332 carries. Yeah. A hundred more, more than Nick Chubb. Right. Yeah. So, number one, he's not taken those monster seasons that tend to lead to a breaking point. Now, he has missed some time. You know, last year he had that, that missed the four games. However, however, he's never gotten that type of a workload. And I'm curious, the other guy who I think is kind of in that level is Dalvin as a runner. Alvin Kamara has been one of the great weapons in the league. Yeah. Even Dalvin, 14 games, 250. 14 games, 312. 13 games, 250. So he's outcarried Nick Chubb as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nick's never been, here's the ball, go. 32 carries. Like, that's never been. Now, that prolongs his career, hopefully, is what we want, is so that this can last for a long time with him playing at, at this level. Uh, so we'll keep, and by the way, you have uh, videos posting now in terms of uh, corroborating this and with the, uh, or collaborating with this in the sense of uh, the position previews are up as well. So that's, yep. that, I just saw that drop here in the last uh, little bit. So you yeah. look forward to it, which is very, very nice. Very nice. Coming up at the top of the hour, as good a use of Instagram as I've ever seen from Zach Wilson. I'll tell you what he put. He posted. He's spoken. We'll get to that, among other things, here in the final hour. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated with it. Join them as a customer, as an employee. You'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. All right, Zach Wilson, Jets quarterback. The location is Gaza Ranch, Idaho. Yep. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Here's the post. Took the boys to Gozer Ranch Club in Idaho before camp. 
Poor cell service. What I miss. Isn't it? What's the What's the picture? It's him slinging it. Unreal. They got a They got a field there. They've all They got a field striped out. He's got a bunch of his Jets buddies there. Yeah. I mean, they're frolicking in the lake. What I miss. What I miss. I mean, Unreal. we're doing some. We're doing some. We got a We got a ski boat. So we've got some sort of a. The wakeboarding is happening. Yeah. We've got fire pits outside. There's hugs and embraces. Of course there are. I'm going to tell you what. I mean, it's it's a lot of people like to go west. Um, in the a lot of people like will go that, out there to ski. No, I mean skiing's great, but summer out west is where it's at. You're talking about warm days. You're talking about lakes, and cool crisp nights. It's a delight. It's a delight. There's it's not. A, a, look at this. Is there a cloud in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? No. No. It looks beautiful. It's not a cloud. I wonder if they're going to go golf on the. Uh... They did. They did. Did they play it on that uh, on Coeur d'Alene? Oh, the, 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 the floating Lake Coeur Resort. Yeah, yeah, sure. That was sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they did that, but the, this looks like this place is probably all inclusive. It's probably like that place in Montana, that Yellowstone Club, where everybody just goes in and has a has a great time. Has a great time, and they're left alone. Yeah, that's the way that that goes. Um, all right, let me see. What does Gibby have here for us? He's got a top ten running backs as voted by NFL executives and coaches. It's got it's got Nick Chubb number three on this list. Um, Derrick Henry was one. Jonathan Taylor was two. There's no way Derrick Henry's a better running back than Nick Chubb right now. He ha he's been unbelievable, but I do feel like it's over. Yes, but we'll see. I'm not ready to write him off yet. But I mean, when you when you when you've got a two thousand yard season under your belt, is it beast in history? Just... Two years ago. He was it's ridden a, yeah. so hard. Oh, yeah, completely. I am surprised, though, that Kareem doesn't even make it into the honorable mention category. I just think it's just the injuries. It's the injuries that, well, he's one year of being injured, but it's the injuries, it's the, it's the you know, the time that was missed. It, it's, it's been a, a while since he was the leading rusher in the National Football League. That I understand. But I still think Kareem Hunt in a lot of places and if he was in a place where he was the guy i do think kareem hunt has an absolute opportunity to be a top 10 running back in the league i mean you looked at the numbers that he put up in tandem with nick chubb he was averaging what would i say 85 total yards and a touchdown per game through the first six yeah it's pretty remarkable when you when you look so first of all if without look i'm sure you have it up so you probably know but would you have known that kareem hunt is what his age is I, would, I don't have it up. My guess is off the top of my head, he was a rookie in 2017. Is that when he led the league in rushing? Yes. So 27? He's 26. 26. Which that is I would not. pretty young. Very young. Which is still very, very young. That he's, and now he'll turn 27 in this season. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's he, So he's still very, very young. So you were doing the carries thing, right? So you want to talk about tread on the tire. Um Kareem Hunt, 272 carries when he led the league in rushing as a rookie in Kansas City. 1327 uh, per game that season, almost five yards an attempt. He added another 455 through the air, yeah. so it's 1,800 yards. Another, It's 8.6 a reception. Uh, the second season in Kansas City, before the suspension, he's 824 and seven touchdowns. Do you have the game logs? Do you see the game against the Browns? I remember that game quite well. Yeah, he was the uh, AFC yeah. Offensive Player of the Week. 14 yards of reception in the through the air, 378 through the air that year. 
Um, then uh, the the shortened season for us, where he plays half the season, plays eight games um, in, in 2019, which is just a debacle of a season across the board. Yep. But then in 2020, year one with Stefanski, he plays all 16 games. He starts five, 841, four yards a carry. It's another 304 uh, through the air. Uh, he's got five touchdowns through the air. He's got another – what's he got on the ground here? Six. 11 touchdowns uh, on the split carries with, with Nick Chubb. The numbers of carries is remarkable to me when you think about it. You were going through those numbers. 272, 181, 43, 198, 78. I mean, his last three seasons, 30, his last three seasons, he's got less carries than Derrick Henry has on the reg in, yeah, one. in one year. Yeah. Oh, so you, you got a young, explosive, healthy. I think it's ridiculous that he didn't even make it in the receiving votes or honorable mention category because I think that he is that good. Um, it's an interesting top 10 list. Did you look at it? I think we can all agree on the top five in whatever order you can. I would lobby, obviously, for Nick Chubb higher, but Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. Six, Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon is incredibly solid. Uh, he can run, he can catch, he can do it all. Seven, Christian McCaffrey, who would be probably in the top five were it not for his injuries, right? He hasn't played really in two seasons. Najee Harris, number eight, and he was such an accumulator. We talked about that. I don't know. We'll see. He had 307 carries, 74 catches, uh, 307 carries for 1,200 yards rushing. We'll see if that offense changes. I mean, ben Eric, couldn't throw it. I no. mean, that was a debacle. No, it was I mean, a hard. Couldn't. It was a hard. I had a ton of respect for him. I, I do too. He ran very hard. He ran very hard. And he caught everything. He took a beating. Took a beating. Aaron Jones him. it has at number nine. Uh, and yes, he's quite good. Number 10 on this. How about this? Javante Williams. Number That's 10 boy. on the list. That is my guy. And I hope I expect him to become a, a real star this year. But he is an incredibly talented runner incredibly talented but they brought melvin gordon back i don't love that i'm guessing tomorrow we'll do the 10 best receivers because i see that that is uh up there today on on espn so we'll get to that yeah. tomorrow on the program but in terms of um all right so what's your biggest beef i think i understand the respect for henry but it feels like the time is 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 about out yeah i'm surprised that they didn't go with taylor one based on what he did last year right i mean right you go in there, and, and it, it, there was a while where he was just a complete one-man wrecking crew. He had five runs of more than 40 yards. No other back had more than two. Uh, he is – he was incredibly explosive, incredibly explosive. And then there's Nick. I, I think – and Dalvin Cook is is elite every single year. And so I think those guys are – that's it. That's the, the group. To me, that's even the group. Kamara – is such an excellent all-purpose back. Struggled last year. He was hurt. I think he's a total stud. But right now, and he has a chance to get back in that top five. Obviously, McCaffrey does if he's healthy as well. But in terms of just straight-up runners, Henry, Taylor, Chubb, and Cook are – that's as good as it gets in the league. Do you um, – let, let's – and I know this will be kind of fun because this, this this normally guess the stats. You just nail the stats. But I would, I'm going to play a guess the stats for you on Ooh, Jonathan baby. Taylor. And it's okay. going to uh, be – in respect to his college career at Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. So he played three seasons at Wisconsin. Yeah. Played 14 games, 13 games, 14 games. What is the fewest amount of rushing yards he rushed for in those three years? Fewest amount. He was 13. always the starter. He was the starter from the freshman on. Fewest amount of rushing yards he rushed for in those three years. 
I remember we did something like this and it was crazy. So my, I'm going to say 1750. 1977. Okay. So his freshman year, he's 1977. His sophomore year, he's 2194. I knew he had a couple of 2000s. His junior year, his, he's 2013. Yeah. Now, for some more perspective on Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, the all-time rushing leader in NCAA history is Ron Dane. Also Wisconsin. Also Wisconsin. His total yards in four seasons at Wisconsin, 7,125. That's what we're at. Jonathan Taylor was 1,000 yards less than Dane without a full season play. That's right. Had he just played his normal season, he would have outdone Dane Dane by by 1,000 yards. Yeah. He is currently – Jonathan Taylor is sixth all-time in NCAA rushing yards despite only playing three seasons. So he's rushed for 1,800 or more yards in four out of his last five years playing football, three in college and two Mm -hmm. in the pros. That's pretty wild. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. It's probably the quietest three straight pretty much 2,000-yard seasons in college ever. Yeah. Like, it's stunning that it wasn't – like, I paid attention to it because he was in the Big Ten. Yeah. But I don't know if you played guess the stats with somebody who didn't follow Big Ten football at that time, if you'd have any point of reference. I didn't. And, I, you know, my – Sure. But I knew that it was astronomical. Prolific. I knew he had two seasons over 2,000. I didn't know what the – the last one was so that's why i went 1750 should have gotten even more ambitious yeah it was quite it was quite uh the uh, top three ron dane ricky williams tony dorsett wow that's how that went um that's incredible what did just give me a comparison because he goes in this taylor goes in the second round if i'm not mistaken right yeah i think you have that right early in the second round to indianapolis um it's crazy. The highest he ever was in the high, he was 41st overall. You're right. Okay. Highest he was ever in the Heisman was fifth. So what, what were Melvin Gordon's stats for comparison's sake? Who was it? I remember the hype on Melvin Gordon around him at Wisconsin was way higher than that of Jonathan Taylor. And he went in the first round. Well, the, the senior year for Melvin Gordon is the reason why. Okay. So he ran for 2587 what? his senior year at Wisconsin and had 29 rushing touchdowns. So the game when the Buckeyes, I want to say, beat Melvin Gordon and the Badgers, and I don't know if it was a Big Ten championship or it was, was the it Big the Ten championship playoff? game. Big Ten championship. JT okay. Barrett was hurt in the Michigan game. Cardale Jones was making his first ever start. Okay. Your Uncle Bo was on the field for okay. that one, um, and they housed him. Okay, housed him. There used to be a Panini's at the intersection of Sam and Solon Road, okay, where they have tried so many restaurants in. From that time on, and now Chick Fil A is killing it there. But there's still an empty restaurant that was there. Of course, Chick Fil A is killing uh, it. S doesn't drink often. <laughs> S was asked to leave. Oh no, Paninis. Oh yeah. It Ohio State beat them fifty nine to nothing. Yeah, I remember it being a complete blow. Fifty nine to screaming nothing. at the screen, screaming at people, screaming at patrons. He had a few Christmas sales. I had to take him back. Home. What probably, year was that? 2014. Yeah. It probably That's hilarious. I mean, it probably cost Taylor the Heisman. Gordon. I'm sorry, yeah. Gordon. Yeah. Melvin Gordon the Heisman. Well, Mariota won it that year, so it would have been I mean, he was a finalist. Twenty five hundred and twenty nine touchdowns. Like if they'd have beaten Ohio State, but they lost fifty nine to nothing and everybody just it was like none of it happened. Wild. Yeah, it was. By the most indelible image when i think of that game was walking around so the the team stayed at the jw marriott 
in Indy, which you're quite familiar with. You and I are familiar with from the Combine days. And I came down to the lobby, and Cardale Jones was walking around the lobby in a, a very ill-fitted suit because he was the third-string quarterback. Sure. Like, nobody thought Cardale – no one could pick Cardale Jones out of a lineup. And this was proven in that he was walking around in this suit anonymously. Yep. Buckeye fans everywhere. Nobody even knew what he looked like. He was most famous for a tweet. He's most famous for I didn't come here to play school. That's the tweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember that. Third string quarterback. So he goes on and he leads them to the national championship. That's correct. That off season, the talk of remember when there was tank for two was fail for Cardale. Yep. Oh, around here especially. Were you at all after watching him and then obviously the next season when things did not go as well, clearly, but did you were you at all surprised that he had a nothing NFL career? No. No. He is he came here, he was gonna commit. He was gonna go pro. He was at Glendale. He was doing his announcement at Glendale. He was convinced to stay at Ohio State because Braxton Miller was coming back from injury, and they didn't know what that was going to look like, and they didn't know what was going to happen with J.T. Barrett. Braxton Miller, they were talking that he was going to transfer. So they turned Miller into a receiver. Then they have Cardell compete with J.T. for the job after they convince him to come back. He should have just went pro there. His stock was never going to be higher than it was after those three games. He probably would have been a second-round pick. He goes into the next year in 2015. All those guys are back. Thomas, Elliott, Bosa, all those guys. Goes back in 2015. Urban's run an option with him. They're playing Virginia Tech. He's got Cardale Jones running read option. Well, that's not what he is. No. No. So they end up going back to JT, and then it was done. It's outrageous. Well, he cost him a lot of money. He did. I, Urban he would, cost him a lot of money. I don't think money. he would have been a good pro no, but regardless. He had, no, but the time to strike was right, right then. then. And any, everybody knew it. And there was no reason for him to play another second at Ohio State. And everybody down there knew there was no chance that he would be the long-term quarterback answer for, as long as JT Barrett was on the roster. Yep. Because Urban wanted a guy who'd put his nose in and run it. And that's that's how that happened. And he he paid the price for it, certainly. Uh, NFL.com's Kevin Patcher predicts each team's non-quarterback MVP. We'll tell you who our guys are. You probably know. There's the hint. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Your car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury. Call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK, Ohio, for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Um, NFL.com's Kevin Patrick predicts each team's 2022 non-quarterback MVP. He has Nick Chubb as our MVP, not Miles. Yeah, I think that that's in play. Like, I think Nick could be 1,800-yard rusher. I think he year. could be as Especially well. I think we should score more touchdowns than we have in the years past. Mm -hmm. and, and right, we need to get that clarity. And it sounds like now that clarity is going to come the week of July the 25th. Um, uh, who knows? <sighs> who knows, man? Just, just give it to us. Um, we're ready. We're ready to find out and we're ready to move on. But, yeah, I think that that's in play. I mean, 
And I realize this is the non-quarterback MVP, but if you're the Browns, you want Deshaun Watson to be your MVP. And if that's the case, we're going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, Miles is on the list. I think that Nick Chubb is on the list. I'll throw out one that I think is is a complete and total wild card MVP for you. Okay. And it's hard for it to be an MVP, right? I mean, yeah. we've got so much talent on this football team. But I'll give a guy that I think is going to make such an ascent this season that it is going to be difficult to deny his importance and his stature around the National Football League. I'll give you two guesses as to who I'm talking about. Newsom? Good. Very much in the conversation, but that was not where I was going. I forgot, I was I was looking for something to, to buttress another S- argument as you're going through yes, the categories. Same side of the ball, though. Somebody, JOK? Also good. I'm going to say Grant Delpit. I MVP, think Grant Delpit. Though? I think I think Grant Delpit is going to become I agree, a like mega be a, star. He could burst. Um, it's just there's so many stars. Well, on that's the a defense. thing, right? But I do think he has that opportunity. And here's why: Grant Delpit is playing one of the most important positions in football, as is Greg Newsom, and I think JOK is a stud too. There, that's what's so fun about this: so many guys that we could choose from, mm-hmm. all second-year players in my mind. By the way, even though it's Delpit's third season technically. Mm-hmm. So I was doing some research on on Grant Delpit and looking some things up about him because I noticed, you know, as he started to click and he's he's been a star of this offseason, you know, we are very, very fortunate to have the relationship that we do with with Jeff Howard. And so we get a lot of insight to what's going on in that DB room. And, you know, Brandon Lynch spends a lot of time in the corners. He spends a lot of time with safeties. Grant Delpit, he thinks, is the most improved guy from last year till right now. He thinks he has a chance to be a megastar. Yep. I went and I looked from week 12 on. Week 12 on. Pro football focus grades among safeties. Where do you think Grant Delpit ranked overall and in coverage from week 12 on last year? Pro football focus overall grade at the safety position and in coverage. Give it to me. Give me, give me the number. Give me the number. Where do you, Eighth where do you overall. Jeez. Third coverage safety in the NFL in the last from week 12 on last year. Third. Pretty Eighth good. overall. And third. So, and and he wasn't. His best grades of the season all came from week 12 on. That's when it was like the light bulb went on. He started to play much better football. Gets an interception, obviously, uh, against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in that game. I think he has a chance to be really special. Denzel Ward's a name that you would put into this. JOK, I think, is an interesting name to put into this. I think David Njoku would be a name that you would throw into your hat in this in the sense that, you know, he's a guy that, if he gets 100 targets this year, who say he can't have 800, 900, 1,000 yards, 8, 10 touchdowns with Deshaun Watson? Who's to say that that can't happen for him? Yeah. So that's a name that, that becomes interesting. Amari Cooper's a name that becomes interesting. Cade York is a name that's very interesting because that's the one guy, the one newcomer who is guaranteed to be a massive improvement over his predecessor and could make a, a big difference in our wins and losses. Who's the last? Did Derrick Henry win MVP? In in the year, not last year, but like has, two years ago, it would have been a couple years ago. If he did, it would have been two years ago because and the rushed. one that we count is it's the AP no. most valuable player, right? Is that the one that yes. we pay attention? No, to? No, he did not. He was okay. it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers won back to back. All right, so the, he was the offensive player of the year. Okay, do you have it up? The we, we need Connor on the mic. What do you we, want? We get it on guess the I have it up. MVP voting. I want. I want I want to know the last non-quarterback to win MVP of the league. I believe it's Adrian Peterson. Non-quarterback. On offense. 
I think it's Adrian Peterson. Is that not right? So there's a defensive player? Well, I was waiting for Connor to give a guess before uh, I answered you. I know Adrian Peterson won it. I'm not sure. That is correct. AP? What? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson won it in 2012. When he took them to the playoffs. Yeah. So that was the last non-quarterback to win MVP. The one before that, so that was 2012. LaDainian won it in 06. Okay. Sean Alexander won it in 05. Okay. So you had a little stretch there. Then it's Falk in 2000. So those are the non-quarterback MVPs since 2000. That's oh, Hoffs. Is Sean Alexander in the Hall of Fame yet? Um, I don't know if he is or not. He gets hurt, I think, because he played in Seattle. He was the MVP in 2005. Amazingly, only a three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro. He had a stretch, though, where he ran for a f- incredible. <laughs> this? five straight years where he ran for – 1175 yards or more and in the in the other five it was 1318 1435 1696 and 1880 and he had at least 14 touchdowns in every one of those seasons rushing 14 16 14 16 27 yeah he was a he was a fantasy beast monster yeah he should be i think he should be in the hall of fame that's a great five year the run. last give me the last non offensive mvp Lawrence Taylor. That is correct. Wow. 1986. That was the last. I was going to guess him or Reggie White. Those are my only two guesses. The most absurd MVP of all time was Mark Mosley, the kicker, won MVP of the NFL in the strikes short in 1982 season. 82, sure. Which is brutal. Um, did he have a shoe or did he, was he a barefooter? He feel, feels like barefooted, but I could be could comparing be him with yeah. Rich Carlos. Oh, yeah. Um, here's your, this is, this is pretty interesting because in my head, if you were to ask me like, how many MVPs did – because you think about the great running back era, you know, when we were kids. Yep. Walter Payton won one. He won the MVP in 1977. That's it. That's the list. Marcus Allen won it once. Um, 83. That would have been in 19 – no, it was 1985. 85. Marcus Allen won the NFL MVP in 85, the 85 Bears. And they weren't even in the mix in the postseason. The Raiders? I don't the Patriots even remember beat them at, at some point, but I don't remember – I don't remember that at all. Um, but anyway, Allen wins it in 85. And then it's Thurman Thomas wins one in 91. He only wins one. Emmett Smith only won one. And Barry Sanders won one. But it was 1997 when Barry Sanders won the MVP. So that I year. I would not have had that. I would have thought it would have been earlier. 85. They go 12-4, and four, win the AFC West. They lose in the divisional round of the playoffs to the Patriots 27-20. to 20. Marcus Mark Wilson was the starting quarterback that year. Uh, Marcus Allen goes 380 carries, 1759 and 11 touchdowns, added 555 receiving, 2314 scrimmage yards and 14 touchdowns. Jeez, uh, how in the heck did Eric Dickerson not win MVP? The year he ran for 20, didn't even run for like 2100 yards. What year is that? With Dickerson. Dickerson runs for his best 2,105 yards, 14 touchdowns. Eric Dickerson ran for 1,800 or more yards in three of his four, first four seasons in the National Football League. He is a five-time first-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, he's Led the dude. league in rushing four times. Uh, he was first-team All-Pro that year. He was not the MVP. What's the year? What year is the it? The Rams, 1984. They go 10-6, and six, finish second in the NFC West. Their quarterback knows the MVP that year. Jeff Kemp. Jeff Kemp that year. They go again, 10 and 6. Jeff Kemp, 9 and 4 as a starter, completes 50% of his passes for 2,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 7 picks. Dickerson had more yards rushing 
than he had throwing the football. Dickerson had as many yards from scrimmage as they had passing the football as a team. Good Lord. So the year that he could have won it is the year that Marino threw for 5,000 yards and yep. 48 touchdowns. Yep. In 1984. It's a, it's a quarterback-dominated league. league. And if you know Derek... what? It always has been. Like, you look at this MVP list, it's dominated by quarterbacks. There were more running backs in the 80s and the 90s, but not. Well, you said Peterson. You said 2012? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you had Peter in the 2000s, you had Peterson, Ladanian. We've only had Falk one in the teens. Falk? We've had one in the teens, only Peterson yep. in the teens. And in the 2000s, we've had you had Tomlinson in 06, Alexander in 05, and you had uh, Falk in 2000. Wow. So you had three of them in the 2000s. And then the teens, we've only had Peterson since 2012. The 90s had Terrell Davis in 98, Barry Sanders in 97, Emmett Smith in 93, Thurman Thomas in 91. So four of the 10 in the 90s uh, went to running back. Steve Young with two MVPs in that time. I would not, I, I, for some reason, I only remember him having the one. In the 80s, uh, Marcus Allen won it in 85, Lawrence Taylor in 86. Allen's the only running back winner in the 80s, only Marcus Allen. And Reggie White never won one. Never won one. Nope, never did. Never did. I would not have had Kenny Anderson. So back-to-back years, in 80 and 81, the MVP was a quarterback of an Ohio team, Sipe and Anderson in 80 and 81, won it back-to-back. In the two, th- in, give me the teens, the MVPs in the teens. You've got to have at the Rodgers in eleven. Yep. So Rodgers in eleven, Peterson in twelve, Manning in thirteen, Rodgers in fourteen, Newton in fifteen, Ryan in Matt sixteen, Ryan. Yeah, that's the one. Brady in seventeen, Mahomes in eighteen, Lamar in nineteen. So Brady and Rodgers in two thousand. Brady won, and he won what? What two thousand seven? Brady has only, Brady has won two MVPs. He won it in two thousand seven when he yeah. threw for fifty touchdowns with yeah. Random Moss, and then he won it in two thousand and ten, and then two thousand seventeen. He's won three MVPs. So he won it in ten, okay. seventeen, and oh seven. Okay, are his three MVPs, the three times. Aaron Rodgers has more MVPs than Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. So, not in as many rings. No, but that's a. It's such a strange thing, right? Six fewer. Because usually, I'm not mistaken. Like Jordan's got the six MVPs. Russell, I think, or no, Kareem has six, five or six, something like that. But like usually, you, whoever has the most MVPs is the best is is the best player, right? Like the the idea that Brady played for this twenty year period and two of his peers have more MVPs than him, Manning and Rogers both have more. Payne's got five. All right, so Bill Rogers Russell. Four. Bill Russell had 58, 61, 62, 63, 65. So he won five. Kareem won one, two, three, four, five, six. Wilt won one, two, three, four. Well, then it's Kareem and Jordan. They both won six. Kareem and Jordan have six. And LeBron's only got four, I think. LeBron has four and hasn't won one since 2013. He won mm-hmm. 9, 10, 12, 13, Derrick Rose sandwich in between 11. It's a joke. He didn't win one of the years he was back here on return. Do you know what's a joke? Yeah. Kobe Bryant only having one, Steve Nash having two. Well, I'll give you a better one. The best argument for that is Kobe and Shaq have as many combined as Nash has. Yeah, Co- Shaq, 2000. Shaq was the most dominant player in the for NBA for time. like eight years. He has one MVP. Kobe's got one. Nash has two. I mean, they got the same amount of Joker. Oh, hold on a second. Here's the difference, though. Nash's numbers stick out like a sore thumb. So Nash wins the MVP in 2005, 15 points, three boards, 11 assists. 2006, 18 points, four boards, 10 assists. 
Like Jokic this year shoots 50 or last year 57% from the floor, 26 points, 11 boards, 8 assists. This year 58% from the floor, 27 points, 14 boards, 8 assists. Like the numbers of Steve Nash are stick out like a sore thumb on here. He just that was that era. The the those Sun teams were so much fun. And I want to say what years were those? It was five and six, but I'm telling you, okay, so he's the only person since they have stats available, which begins in 1987 for some reason. I don't know why. We know what Larry Bird averaged before that, but I'm going to guess he's probably the only MVP in the history of the NBA to not have scored 20 points a game in the season in which he was named the MVP. He did it twice. Uh, yes, he had the double-digit assists, but the other people who were MVPs with double-digit assists, Russell Westbrook in 2017, 32 points, 11 boards, 10 assists. Magic Johnson, who won it, his he won it three times, three times, yeah. twenty-two and eleven and a half, twenty-three and thirteen, twenty-four and twelve. Like Steve Nash's numbers don't even—it's crazy. It's they a don't really pass crazy. The, they thing. do not pass the the test. I mean, he only shot fifty percent from the floor. It's like he was out there shooting a hundred percent. Like should Duncan have won one of those? I mean, the Spurs were winning championships at that time. I mean, Duncan won it in 02 and 03 with 25, 26 and 13, 23 and 13. Then Garnett at 24 and 14. Then you have these two weird Nash years. Then Nowitzki wins it at 25, uh, 9 and 5. Kobe at 28, 6 and 6. Kobe should have won the one Nash year. He averaged 35 a game. Ridiculous. The one Nash year he averaged 35 a game where he scored the 85, uh, the 81. Like, those were fun teams. Sure. Yeah. Great. Good. Wonderful. MV those aren't MVP numbers. Those are barely all-star numbers. Yeah. It was crazy. And I, I'm a big Nash guy, but that's, that's Same. pretty crazy. He's the only person in the history of the league to win that not averaging double, did not averaging 20-plus points a game, and he yeah. did it twice. Yeah. It's wild. Also ridiculous, LeBron hasn't won another one. He should have won one in that second stint with us. The MVPs of the second stint here were Steph twice, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. Those are the, the MVPs in those years. So, yeah, wow. pretty wild. All right, uh, Open Championship is coming up tomorrow at St. Andrews. We will get to that coming up next, a little, uh, little golf chatter. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey there, Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors, where beautifying and protecting your home is their passion. Upgrade the look of your home and create a high return on that investment. New signing for Renew Home Exteriors, ranging in every architectural style in over 50 colors. It's your $1,500 off, free insulation wrap, plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition, Renew Home Exteriors will meet or beat competitors' estimates by up to 10% or pay you 100 bucks. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Visit RenewEstimate.com for more. Are you seeing some of the uh, some of the reports out of St. Andrews in terms of the conditions of the course? No, I just saw what I've seen weather-wise that it, it's expected to be fairly benign. So DeChambeau hit a six iron 327 today. Because it is that. It's that dry. Dry. Okay. So it's like an airport runway. Now, I think some people think that that means that it will be easy to play for these guys. I think it's going to be very unpredictable for them to play. It's somebody who, again, I've played there. It is unpredictable because it, it when the ball's on the ground for that long, there's a bunch of bumps and it, it could end up and it wants to ultimately flow into the bunkers. That's a natural 
curvature of the land. That's where it leads to. So, no, I think that that will make it very difficult because, folks, golf at the highest level for these people, these pro golfers, is quite simply about precision and the ability to control right. distance. It's distance control that allows you to get proximity close to the hole, which allows you to make more putts. Target golf. When you can't control what the ball is going to do on the ground and it's going to spend a lot of time on the ground, that is one of the hardest things to learn about playing, going over there and playing Lynx golf. It's why it is very, very difficult because the ball doesn't just – it's not like you hit it straight at the green. Let's say you hit it straight at the pin from – you know, you could be 110 yards out and the wind is coming at you so hard that you've got to play like a seven iron, but that you're basically just chipping and then it's going to run the whole way. It could meander, right? You don't know necessarily what it's going to do. So yeah. that becomes very difficult to make it a precise shot. And I think that is one of the things that is distance isn't their problem there. It's going to be their ability to get it close on the greens, which do not roll like the great bent greens of some American courses. There are bumps and they are impure. They are imperfect. It, that's going to make it tough. Is this – give me put on here. Is this the nicest, the best course the PGA plays that period? No. Is it maybe the most magical? Yes. Is it the most historic? Without question. It's an incredibly special place. It is far from the nicest course. It's not – It's not Augusta. There's a, no. all sorts of country clubs in the United States that, that are more manicured, nicest, more procured, more – Sure, subjective. All of that. Yeah, of course. It is the majesty and the magnificence yeah. of the birthplace of golf. Where yeah. championships have been played for centuries. Yes, the 150th Open Championship. Right, and the first one was played at, we talked about Royal Prestwick, which is such a cool, crazy bananas course in its own right. And I think this one is, is but there's stuff that is not traditional. It's not target golf. It's not, I'm going to throw it up in the air, and I'm, I hit this exactly 150 yards, and it's going to hit it exactly at 150. You have no idea what it's going to do in the air, and you have no idea what it's going to do on the ground. Do you think that this... And I, I want to say, for some reason, it always comes to my head as, as Royal Liverpool, but I don't think it is. The one where Tiger didn't hit driver. Like 15, 20 years ago, he played a major, and he didn't hit driver. He hit uh, he hit iron off of every tee, and he won it, kind of going away. Might have been one out of London. I can't remember which one it was. For some reason, I say Royal Liverpool, but I'm pretty sure it's not that. Um, but he never hit driver. And I do wonder if – and I don't think he's got a chance because I, I think his, his swing is really stiff and – just watching him walk looks like it hurts. So it was 2006 at Hoylake. That's it, yeah. He hit one driver all week. Yeah. So you wonder, like, because of the way it's playing, does this make it more winnable or contendable for him? So the thing that helps how him. how smart he is. Yes, that will help him. Number two. Hey, there's Gibby. What I think will, what, what I think will really help him in terms of just the physicality is – it, there isn't a ton of undulation. There isn't a ton of elevation changes. It's flat, and you walk it. I mm -hmm. mean, like, it, so he's not going to have to deal with going up steep right. inclines, down, you know, maybe in and out of some bunkers. But I think that he is – I think that's going to help him in terms of his ability to – physically endure is he going to be 100 percent? no we know that but i think it will help him endure a little bit and he made some equipment changes for the open which i, I think are are some interesting ones that they talked about and so one of the things 
In his last tournament, the PGA Championship, he was using a nine-degree driver with a shaft from 2018. He's got a new shaft in a Fujikura Ventus Black 6X shaft in the TaylorMade Stealth Plus driver. Ooh, we have the same driver. I didn't like the nine-degree. I had to go ten and a half. He has a new shaft in his P773 iron, switching from True Temper's new Dynamic Gold Tour issue. Uh, the mid shaft was launched in 2022, designed for slightly higher spin and launch angles. So, he's so what's he that. going for with this stuff? Like, it's, can you tell me what this means? Like, what's he trying to do? So he took the, a five wood over a two iron. So he took a two iron out, put a five wood in. Which Morikawa means, did the opposite. He put a two iron in, took the five wood out. He now, the shaft uh, with the three iron is now his driving iron. And it's got, he put a shaft in there. It's going to launch it lower. So in that's trying to kind of turning that in. It's got a 56, a 60 degree wedge. Um. I mean, if there, there is. if there is a – because I think it's really going to be almost nearly impossible for him. If there is a golf gods, it feels like Rory McIlroy ought to win this. It's the 150th. I mean, like, it's at St. Andrews. Like, if there's a – this feels like Rory's time to go win, you know, his second Claret, doesn't it? It's been a long time since he's won. Yeah. He's playing really well. He's been very outspoken. One other thing I want to run by he is you – he, By the way, he is the odds-on favorite to win. Rory's? Yep, he's yeah, plus 1,000, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, plus 1,800, Rom Scheffler, 2,000, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Justin Thomas, 2,000, 2,200. I do think someone who grew up playing on this type of golf, is like Rory grew up in this, I would assume that this would be that would help him. Like I think DeChambeau, now he could dominate the course with his length, but I could see him shooting like a billion out here. Yeah, I could see him doing that too. So he's I do think 9, it was 000. noteworthy really quick, and I only have about a minute or so on this. Tiger – uh, was was very strong against the live guys. But the yeah. one thing that he said, and I'm not interested in that, but I do think this is noteworthy. He said, we don't know what the majors are going to do with this. I think that was noteworthy because he doesn't go off the reservation. He doesn't say things controversial. That's not his That's not his tune at all. So he, he mentioned, I don't know what the majors are going to do out of this. And today, the chairman of the RNA, Royal and Ancient, that runs it, said, that the live tour has given golf a bad name. So that's one thing to pay attention to out of this is will the other majors be like jump on with the PGA tour and the European tour and say, these guys aren't in, you can think about it what you want, but for tiger to say it to me, that's noteworthy. It, it certainly is noteworthy one. And look, tiger, the ultimate competitor, he liked it. And there were a lot of guys obviously that liked the fact they had to go out and grind and play all these different events to earn their living. I don't understand if you have, if sport has gotten to the point where somebody's willing to compensate you before you ever swing a club, why that's bad and why people who accept that should be vilified. No, no, I, I, I and that that. But he said that was a big part of what he was for saying. sure. Yes, to me, the most noteworthy thing he said was the majors. The majors. You like, want? Are they? Are the? Is that conversation happening? That would seem so shady to me. It's not a major championship if the best golfers aren't in it, and right. the best golfers, regardless of where they are in the world, should be in it. Yeah. Period. So much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. So it's happening today. It's happening tonight. Is that what we decided? Maverick, it's on. Back on. Full steam ahead. Send them. Let's go. I'm excited now. Now I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. 
It's going to be fun. That, I mean, that's going to be – we could do, we'll do 20 minutes on that at the start of tomorrow's show. Perfect. That's how that's going to go. Yeah. TBD. No. No. Maverick. Maverick. Review. Lock it in. You think I mean, I'm planning on giving it like a hunt. My buddy Wes Barkley does these world food tour reviews from the AIW Wrestling, and, and sometimes he gets his numbers and his grades together, and I'm planning on giving this like a 100 out of a 10 <laughs> A+. Plus. I think you're going to enjoy it a great deal. I look forward to your thoughts. The next level's coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Brothers Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.